Hey everybody, it's Harry here. Welcome to yet another episode of the Alston Pudding Podcast. Uh, if the count off the top of my head is correct, this is lucky number 13. Unfortunately, I'm recording this two days after Halloween because I feel like it would be perfect if you know Halloween wasn't on a Sunday this year and could have put out episode 13 right on Halloween, but I'll take the, the proximity. Um, anyway, I <laughs> want to update everybody that I did fulfill my promise of going as Smeagol. If you go to my Instagram, which I don't recommend you do, uh, actually, leave me the fuck alone on Instagram. But uh, <laughs> you can see Smeagol, me as Smeagol in my full body-painted glory. Yeah, it was fun. Anyway, I'm really excited for this next guest. Uh, she is an R&B singer, a dancer, and an actress, so a true triple threat. Uh, her name is Destiny Claymore, and you can catch her in this new Ryan Reynolds movie, Free Guy, which I actually went and saw the night before this interview. We're going to talk about it. You'll hear it. I gotta admit, when I saw the trailer, it wasn't something that I thought I'd be interested in. But it was actually just like a really fun movie to go see. Especially, I think it's like very family friendly. Yeah, it was just a really enjoyable experience. Um, as you'll hear us talk about in the episode, Ryan Reynolds just plays a really earnest, well-intentioned character. Well-intentioned protagonist and hero. Uh, very like I said, very earnest, very helpful, very, very kind, just in a pure and innocent way. And I think, I don't know, it was refreshing to see that. I'm going to mention that again later in the episode, but I think we need more characters like that and more narratives like that. Anyway, without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, the first track you're going to hear is No Fly Zone. Uh, the second track you're going to hear is Jayla. And the final track you're going to hear is called Melt. No Fly Zone and Melt are from Destiny's EP that came out last year called Pretty. So go check it out. Uh, anyway, be well, be healthy. Please get vaxxed. Enjoy the episode. Bye.
episode of the podcast. Today, I'm here with Destiny Claymore, a Boston-based singer and actress and dancer, I believe. I've seen an article where yes. you're like labeled a triple threat. We love a triple threat. Um, how are you doing today? I'm great. Um, it, is, it is feeling like autumn. I'm here in Massachusetts today. It's definitely feeling like autumn. Um, things are good. I heard that you saw the movie. Yes. Yeah. I went last night knowing that we were going to have this talk today and so i live um like in north cambridge and so there's a movie theater up by alewife and i went to like a late show and it's like five dollars on tuesdays and the guy told me the price and i was like Are you kidding me <laughs> this is this is the <laughs> night to go it was only the the second time i've been to a movie theater in like the past year and a half oh my god so yeah which is you know it's something that i you know would go pretty often not like all like every week or every day like my brother is the real movie buff in the family and he's like lives at the movie theater but uh I, I forgot how much I miss it me too I used to go um growing up me and my dad used to go oh my god like three times a week I remember we saw we saw one of the Star Wars two times in the same day mm. and like I like lived um at the movie theater back when there used to be one in Brockton at the Westgate Mall and then the one in Randolph. So it was weird, too, to have a whole year and some change off. The first thing I saw when the theaters opened up again was Black Widow. Oh, nice, um, nice. I haven't gotten good. to that one yet. I, I would like every phase one MCU movie. I went and saw, you know, like pretty much opening weekend from like the first yes. Iron Man when I was I don't know, like 15, 16 up through um, up through Endgame. But I actually haven't just because it's kind of coincided with you know, the closure of theaters and in, in the pandemic. I haven't been able to see Black Widow or Shang-Chi yet, but I really, really I want to. I haven't seen Shang-Chi either. I heard that the action's amazing, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Now that I know about this, like, $5 Tuesday night thing at the, the theater near me, I might go see that next week. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I I honestly, I really love going to the movie. The, the theater I went to, they have those, like, really nice, basically armchair seats that, like, recline. And it's really, really comfortable. I think I would pay to like rent out a theater for a couple hours, no movie playing, just like ambient music and just like <laughs> get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like bring like a big sweatshirt and just get cozy. But uh, so we should mention what movie it is. You're in Free Guy, the new uh, Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer, um, Taika Waititi, uh, Joe Keery from Stranger Things are your are your castmates in that. Yeah. So uh, how'd you end up getting cast in that movie? I assume like you auditioned, but like, how'd you hear about the audition call? I had actually, um, I had played on Vans Warped Tour 2018. 
on the indie stage. And after that, I kind of went on, it's going on a long hiatus because I wanted to like start like as a solo artist. And during that time, I got a phone call. I was working a normal job and I got a phone call and they were like, hey, uh, is this the girl Destiny with the Mohawk? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, do you want to audition for this Ryan Reynolds movie? And I hung up. I'm like, <laughs> why are you playing games on my phone? <laughs> it's like, this is a weird spam call. <laughs> Literally. And then they called back and then they were like, is this Destiny? Like, we're serious. We're calling from 20th century. Like, oh. we like your look. Um, this character is supposed to look like this. And you actually look like this in real life doing an audition. So at first I was like really nervous because like, I don't know. I feel like any artist understands like rejection is hard. Mm-hmm. And as artists, we get rejected a lot. So I was just like, I don't know if I want to do it. And I was leaning out hard towards no. And then um, my old mentor, Mike Ross, was like, you need to audition. Like, this is a huge deal. So then when I found out though, it was about video games. I was sold. Like, I'm a huge gamer. I grew up all the way back to Legend of the Dragoon on PS1. Like, I'm a hardcore gamer. And once they said it was about NPCs, I was, <laughs> say less. I can be an NPC, like, whatever. <laughs> so I originally auditioned for the role of Barista who was the uh, the coffee-making mm-hmm. NPC in the game. For anybody watching this who doesn't know what an NPC is, it's a non-playable character in a game. No matter how many times you talk to them, they'll only say the same thing, like, over and over again. Um, so I auditioned to be the coffee-making one. And after, like, three auditions of doing her, I met uh, the director and did some with him, uh, Sean Levy, the director of Stranger Things. And then um, I did some with him, and he was like, I like you, but I feel like you're, like, too cool for this. So can you audition for this one? So I auditioned for the game designer, the art nerd. And um, after a few more uh, auditions and a lot of tears, because they didn't get back to me, like, so many times, <laughs> uh, I found out two days before we started filming the movie that I got the role. <laughs> and that's how it went. Nice, nice. Well, congrats on getting cast. Congrats on being in a... Because it's it's a Disney movie, right? Am I, do it's I have that complicated. Wrong? I, I think so now. <laughs> <laughs> they they ha- they like have so many subsidiaries at this point that like exactly. I feel like half mo- of movies are Disney movies, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so for anyone listening who's un- might be unfamiliar with the like the premise of the movie, um, Ryan Reynolds plays, uh, as Destiny was saying, plays a, a non-playable character in a in a large multiplayer video game who kind of gains uh you know sentience along the way and sort of falls out of his like pre-programmed role within the video game but it uh, there's also a lot that takes place in like the real world which is where destiny comes in as part of the the design team of the video game so taika waititi is the um like the ceo or i don't necessarily know his yeah, job role yeah, but he's, he's like my, the head of the he's the boss of the, the game boss, company he was so crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember there's one scene where he's like you can clearly see you because you're wearing um like a sweatshirt that says queen and you have a mohawk so you're very noticeable like outfit wise but you're kind of standing behind him while he's like he was like trying to do one of those things where he's like on his back oh on God, the ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's trying to jump up and like land on his feet and he keeps failing he's he's a very animated guy i love taiko watiti uh seeing him and stuff oh yeah working with him it was very hard getting through those scenes because a lot of the stuff he did was improvised um so like i'm expecting one thing and he'll come and he'll just like rapid fire like so many jokes like off the top and i'm just trying not to laugh like everybody's trying not to laugh and like get through the scene and as soon as they call a cut we're all just dying like (laughs) taika is like he's on a different level like everything just goes so fast like he has serious skills it's yeah it's tough like as so i 
I acted for like 10 years from like high school through college and a little after just in like theater, but it's very tough to be with. It's great, but it's also tough to be acting with someone who's like that animated because you're like, it's my job to not break right now and be right. be serious. Uh, like it's supposed to be funny for the viewer, but he's kind of like, he's kind of got man child energy, uh, his character um, <laughs> yeah, in the movie. <laughs> so he's very, very animated and, but also very, very, he's, he's not a good boss. He's not a boss you'd want to have in the real world. No. And I felt like uh, all of the the little moments that I had with him were all inspired by a real thing. Cause I was like, I would imagine like my boss is really talking to me like this. I would definitely have an attitude. (laughs) (laughs) He was kind of wilding. So yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. Oh, and so the movie was filmed largely around Boston. You can recognize, uh, for people who are from the area, you'll probably recognize a lot of buildings and a lot of a lot of plazas that get featured in the movie. Mm-hmm. The scenes when um, Guy, played by Ryan Reynolds, and Molotov Girl, played by um, Jodie Comer, are like kind of walking along the beach and getting their ice cream. You can see like where all the cruise ships come in. Um, yeah, my favorite was to look at the destruction. So like whenever it was showing, um, when Guy first became like self-aware. When he got the glasses and it was showing like all the chaos happening around him. I love that you can see so much of Boston. And then uh, in the beginning, when Channing, Channing Tatum is driving, you can see like a part of South Station and everything. It was definitely trippy to see like GTA levels of destruction mm-hmm. in Boston. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. And then so at the end, there's a, a romantic moment that takes place outside of Jaho Coffee or Jaho tea and coffee mm-hmm. where two characters are across the street and, and go in like meet each other in the middle of the street. This was like my biggest gripe about the movie where they like run across the street to like kiss in the middle of the street. And I was like, not in Boston. <laughs> Don't do that. Right. In Boston. <laughs> so much honky. <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> Just right. Go to a crosswalk and, and you know, you'll, Figure you'll get that there. kiss. <laughs> No. Oh, we should probably should have done this earlier, but like spoiler alert, spoiler alert yeah. for this segment um, for the Free Guy movie. I'm Destiny Claymore and we're talking about my role in Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds. It's going to be spoilers ahead. I don't know if mm-hmm. this is going to be cut later, but yeah. No, I'm, I was kind of conscious of that. So I, I don't want to say like which characters are the ones uh, kissing in the street. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm do want to be cognizant of like spoiler alerts. It's a it's a very very fun movie. It's very cute too. Uh, the main character guy is is just very a very very earnest hero, and I really appreciated that. I think as a society we kind of need to move past the like grizzled antihero who's like yeah. I think it was really refreshing for me to see not only a character who has so much innocence and naivety, but it was cool to see Ryan Reynolds, who was like a known smart ass and like mm. known, like he's, he's super funny to play a character who is naive um, and innocent to like what's going on around him. I think he pulled it off like really well. And, and it made his jokes, I think hit harder because normally his jokes come from like a place of sarcasm, but it was cool to see them. The jokes are still funny, but it's coming from a place of like, things are just going over his head and um, anybody who who is a fan of Ryan Reynolds, I always said su- I suggest going to see the movie because um, it's definitely seeing him in a different light, and it was really cool to work with that. Yeah, for sure. It's like night and day from what he does as Deadpool, where he's right, you know, super self aware in like a in like a meta way, um, but also very sardonic and sarcastic and like inappropriate. Like he he becomes 
this might be like a minor spoiler alert, but he becomes sort of in the real world, he becomes sort of this like social media trend among like people who watch game streamers. And it makes sort of makes people question their roles with uh, NPCs when they're playing the game. Here's the thing. When I was, my God, I want to say I was like eight or nine. I was playing, um, like I said, I love RPGs. Like I, I grew up playing Legend of Dragoon, Final Fantasy X, oh. Tales of Symphonia. Let's, let's talk Final Tell Fantasy me. in a little bit. Yes, Basin Katos. A lot of people don't know that one, but I have a tattoo from Basin Katos on my chest. Oh, very cool. Um, so I'm a huge gamer, like I said. And I, I remember saying to my dad once, like, do, does, like, what if when I walk away, Titus and Seymour are like actually best friends, but they're only acting like they hate each other in front of me because that's like the script of the game. Oh yeah. Like a, like a Toy Story situation, but with the video game characters. And I remember asking this when I was like nine years old and I, and I would try to like, see if I could catch it. Like, and I was like, and they must be so annoyed because I keep losing to the same boss. So they have to keep doing the same dialogue. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so one of those cool. games that it doesn't really let you skip the cutscenes, if I remember correctly. You got to watch the this whole. Before we had that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was the first game I played when I got a PS2. And so it's to this day, yes. Final Fantasy Did you X. Get the silver, the classic thin silver one. Ooh, I, that's too long ago for me to remember. I have the. I still have mine. I have the remaster for uh for PS4 that it, it was packaged with ten and ten two, which I never really. You don't talk about. 10-2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it 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 undoes. Here's a big spoiler alert. It undoes every the amazing the amazing ending that ten has. It had if you play Final Fantasy ten, I think the I think the period the grace period for like spoiler alerts on final fantasy 10 it's like came out 20 years ago i think we're a little past that um (laughs) basically the main character that you've you know come to know and love who has this big beautiful romance with one of the other main characters it turns out that he's basically a dream and so he's very sad once they defeat the final boss he jumps off the airship and dissolves into air and your heart breaks if, if like shadows. you don't cry at any age when you play the end, I'm like getting a little dewy eyed. Right I still, I played it recently and I cried again. Like I didn't see it coming. Like it hurts. I had a big last summer cause I had much less to do than I usually have. Uh, I got back into like playing a lot of final fantasy games. And so I went through it some that I hadn't played, but definitely went through 10 again. And yeah, it, it's still it's a beautiful story it still hits. And- yeah. I'll never understand like Seymour's obsession. Like we killed you like two times, bro. The first two times it made sense, and then he just kept coming back. I don't know. You fight him like but... four times. He's this yeah, yeah. Big, On the fourth time, it's like spiky blue hair guy. Yeah, turns into but this huge monster. I like that game, and this is why I used to always tell people they should play video games. Is because I learned so much about life through video games, like Tales of Symphonia and. Uh, Final Fantasy X taught me like about racism because in Final Fantasy X, um, there's a one of the main characters is racist towards a race called the Albed, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't really understand the concept, like you know, being like a black woman and then being treated that way. I couldn't understand like where the stereotypes or like the hatred even comes from until I played Final Fantasy X because his whole thing with the Albed was like their machines come from a time that caused like a lot of devastation. Mm-hmm. So he associates Albed with devastation. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just really deep, like commentary. I really recommend Final Fantasy X for anybody who it's like, it's more like you're in control of a movie than it is you playing like something like Fortnite where you're just like, 
like shooting around and stuff like that. Like you're you're watching a, a movie play out, but your decisions kind of like influence where it goes. So it's really cool. And same thing with Tales. In Tales of Symphonia, there was one place where like half elves were superior, but then in another land, half elves were inferior. And it just showed how stupid it is, like stupid racism and stuff like that. Um, video games are incredibly deep. Yeah. And that's why I liked Free Guy too, because um nerding here, but going into like it went into Nerd the out. whole thing of AI and, and consciousness and stuff like that. And then it's like, so if we unplug like AI now, are we are we mass murderers? And I don't know. I I wonder where we're gonna go in real life, you know, with Elon Musk and everybody doing things with artificial intelligence. And I think the movie was a good, it was an action comedy, but I think it opened up a good dialogue to that that people weren't talking about before. Yeah. No, there's a there's a lot more you know, it's subtle commentary in, in this movie, but it's there's like a little more depth than you might assume just looking at the trailer. Right. And also the sort of unrelated, but I really love the visual effects in, in the movie. I actually hadn't really planned on on checking it out just because I didn't really haven't really been thinking of going to theaters that much uh, and haven't been making too much time for movies. But again, knowing that I was going to be talking to you, I was like, I might as well be good at doing research <laughs> for my interviews <laughs> but yeah and you know there's some very very cute scenes like I am sort of a softie at heart so like the very cute romantic scenes I was like oh that's really sweet that's one thing I was so surprised so like we did the we did like a small premiere before the world premiere and so that's the first time I, I saw it like a few months before it came out and I was so shocked at how romantic it was like I expected and from the parts I saw when I was filming, like, it's really funny and, like, really, like, if you're a gamer, it hits the nail on the head with, like, all of the references and stuff like that. So I was shocked to see how much of it, one, went into, like, AI, but also, like, it was so romantic. And even, and I even mean, like, bromantic, like, uh, Lil Rel's character and Ryan Reynolds' character. So um, the security guard, buddy, mm-hmm. and guy. Their bromance is goals like yeah. i want to have a best friend like this <laughs> and i was so emotional spoilers everybody who's seen it knows if you haven't but when stuff happened i was just like like if i was my best friend i don't know what i would do like it was so good <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of like especially when um guy and molotov girl like first cross paths it, it's there's a lot of meet cute energy um yeah you know they, i i love the recurring use of um fantasy the mariah carey song me too and just they find out that they have like a lot in common we won't spoil that that there's yeah there's but. there's reasoning for that but um yeah no it's just it's just very very cute and it uh i don't know for anyone who's sort of had moments like that where you meet someone and i don't know the scene the lines and i'll paraphrase because i'm not going to remember the exact lines but um what one of the lines that really hit between guy and molotov girl was like how ryan reynolds was saying that he you know felt like he was stuck in this loop his whole life just doing the same thing over and over until he he meets this person and suddenly it it opens up a whole new world of possibilities and new experience that he didn't ever imagine that he was capable of and i don't know i think a lot of people can find some resonance in that yeah i actually there were quite a few um, men that I talked to after seeing the movie who have said like this isn't an exaggeration like when you meet that person it is like slow motion and um then you do feel like 
life was on a loop and like they there were a lot of men actually who I talked to that said that they felt that way like everything with guy like how he felt about Molotov girl was like super accurate mm-hmm. um and I thought that that was really it was really cool I like that the movie for once um like it was in rom-coms they don't often show like the love perspective from the guy's point of view and if they do it's like a very surface level like all through dialogue so it was cool to see it through first person of like how guy was feeling about her mm-hmm. and when she found out that he was a uh, when he that he was an npc that was a whole funny thing too but um yeah it was i think that they t- put a nice spin on the rom-com thing like we got to see it more through his perspective than through her perspective which was really cool yeah yeah and it sort of does sometimes feel like that you know like there's a mariah carey song you know playing and you're just like you know this is this is this feels different than especially nowadays with like dating culture the way it is where you meet a lot of people and a lot of things you know feel like they don't really go anywhere or you know you like somebody but you're not like sure about them or you know you not that you want to leave it up to fate or i think a lot of love comes from like self-love in as a starting point but um it is a powerful moment when you just cross paths with that person even briefly and it just something feels different like something is activated in you right that's actually um that's something i talk about in my music a lot is like i don't know i talk i try to talk about like raw emotion like i think of it as a diary and that's something that i think a lot of people can relate to is like i think there's this this low-key level of fear when it comes to relationships because there's so so many people like when you think about it like we don't often like me and you were talking right now in this moment and then as soon as we get off of this, I have access to like 5,000 people in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's really intimidating for people. And I think that's why the situation was so special in, in Free Guy. Because, uh, I don't know, Ryan Reynolds was like, what's the word? Tunnel vision mm-hmm. on, on Molotov Girl. And, and she was tunnel vision on him. And I don't know. I feel like people should be more brave. Don't be afraid to be like tunnel vision on somebody. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we, that, the human experience, we hurt, and then we love, and then we hurt again, and then we love, and yeah. Yeah. you survived all your heartbreaks so far. You'll yeah. survive if there's another one. And then there might not be another one. So, yeah. that's just me. Though. I think um, definitely there is that element of fear, where especially fear of, like, doing that tunnel vision type, you know, romantic pursuit, where... You know, you don't want to come on too strong. And we should also, like, in the movie, he doesn't, even though he is kind of tunnel visioned on her, she, at one point she tells him, and I'm going to try to make like a, a real world metaphor about this. She tells him he needs like more experience, basically. He needs to level <laughs> up. And in, instead of like, you know, like simping for her, he goes and levels up a lot up. and like, you know, works on himself. And Dang, that's a good metaphor. I didn't catch that. That was good. I just put that together right now. <laughs> it's so true, though. That's literally what she said. She was like, uh, she's like, gain like 100 levels and come talk to me. And then yeah. he's like, right. <laughs> he went and he like he made waves, yeah. like just trying to do what he needed to do. So that's actually perfect metaphor for life. Like, go do what you got to do. Make waves and then catch somebody's attention. Just doing what you were supposed to do for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's awesome.
that seems like a good place to maybe pivot to your music since we had started talking about it. But so you have one is it just the one EP and then like a bunch of, like a handful of singles out. Yeah. So pretty the title of the EP came out um, last winter. If I have. Yes. Okay. How long had you been working on that before you were able to release it? That's the thing. I wasn't working on a project. Like I said, I write like my music is like my diary. Like I, I write what's actually going on in my life just through song. I have trouble, I have trouble communicating like through conversation and I find it easier to like do it through song and, and metaphors. So I was just writing what was going on in my life. And then something happened. I had, I had beef with um, this dude, Mike Ross and we're cool now, but I had beef with him at the time. And so I dropped this song called Before I Forget. And um, the hook is literally F you, F you. Um, I don't want to swear on your show. But yeah, oh, so I put the explicit label. Don't worry. I, oh, okay. I have the so mouth the of a sailor. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the hook is literally, fuck you, fuck you, it's on site, fuck you. <laughs> um, it got really popular. <laughs> it got really popular. And then, um, then after that, people were like, when are you dropping more music? And I was like, oh, crap. And I was like, well, luckily I have like 70 something songs sitting around. So yeah, I had read um, that in, in an article that you just had like 70 to 75 songs that you had just like, yeah, I was, had just, written. Like I, said, I was just writing. Um, I had no intention at the time to get back into music. Like I was enjoying working on film. Um, Cause I, at the time I had just filmed my first TV role in the expecting um, it was a horror on Quibi starring Anna Sophia Robb. Um, I was enjoying that and I was enjoying doing Free Guy. Um, and then that video got popular and people were asking for more music. So I just uh, just started sifting through it and seeing what I felt like would be honest, but also appropriate for the pub- for public consumption. Mm-hmm. And then I added one song like consciously, like it was a conscious decision to add the opening song, No Fly Zone. And that's how we came up with Pretty. Nice. And so you, you got like 70 songs down to pick out the six, I think it's six, the six best ones. Yeah, and... I actually, so I didn't get to explain this before. I actually picked out 17 songs, but because this was during COVID, um, studios kept opening and then closing. Mm-hmm. So I had to narrow it down. It wasn't even like my top six. It was the ones, like I did the ones that were most important first. Would that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And then studios closed. And I was like, well, this is what I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you, COVID. This is what I got. I hope you guys like it. Um, and people did. Uh, people, And that made me really happy because I had taken like a year and some change hiatus. So it was my first solo project. So it made me really happy that people connected with it so much and to see it in its resurgence again. Um, I was recently nominated for three New England Music Awards because of it. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I've never been nominated for like stuff for my music before so i'm just really really happy people connected with the stories that i'm telling and the emotions mm-hmm. so how long had you been uh making music before that release because i i know on spotify you have a couple singles from like 2016 i i was in a band for many years i would say probably like for like five or six years i was in a band um that's when i played on the band's warp tour and then after that i that's when i went solo and like I said, I took a year and some change off. During that time, I filmed Free Guy and I learned a lot about myself. Um, my confidence like went up and I feel like with that, it reflected in like my sound and in my look and in my jobs. And now I think I have like a, I have a whole new sound, which is like, like R&B meets pop or it's like alternative R&B. 
because that's like who I am. I grew up listening to everything from like Paramore to uh, System of a Down to Slipknot to Tool. Um, then you go over, I was listening to like the Samurai Shampoo soundtrack. Oh, and I was oh. to Zimmer. And then, then I was listening to, you know, I was raised on Destiny's Child and Dove Sea and Crooked Eye and Corrupt. And so it was just a whole mashup of genres. <laughs> and I had to find the happy medium between, you know, I'm from San Diego. So between like the West Coast music, between the R&B that I grew up on and the rock that I liked. Um, so I feel like I have that now in my new sound. Um, the song I just dropped, Jella, is like it's very funky and like mm-hmm. disco-y, but it yeah. also has R&B vibes. Yeah, very upbeat and, and dancey. And then you have a couple other tracks that I noticed were like that. You have a very good ear for like what's danceable. And also you have a very like kind of there's like a smoky quality to your voice that I really enjoyed. Thank you. I get um, people are always surprised because when I talk, I sound like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I sing, it's like it's very low and raspy and like don't know why I'm like that. I think it's pretty cool and mysterious though. So yeah, I go yeah. <laughs> oh, so what was um, the band you played with for Warp Tour? So are they were they more on like the the heavier rock side because it, because it's Warp Tour? Um, no, we were we were like we were trying to do like a new age Lincoln Park type thing. Oh, okay. like so I would I would sing and I would rap. Okay. Um, but I don't think sonically it like really worked out. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I get, I have a much more bigger reception with my new music because I feel like it was hard to compromise between like, so like I said, I have, and you've heard, I have a soulful, like raspy voice. And then you have somebody who's like doing like hardcore rap, but then putting in like the rock beat and stuff. I think it was just too much happening at once. Mm -hmm. But I I think, I think that it it worked out for the best because now I can do like my rap and like all my stuff and it i don't people seem to like connect with it more and that's all i wanted so i'm very happy nice nice. and you mentioned that you're from san diego uh how did you end up getting in touch with like massachusetts artists life man life my um my mom's a phlebotomist and my dad is a um he fought in the gulf and he helps with the va in in brockton okay so we moved here and when we moved here um things just kind of stuck like i I loved basketball. I was on like all the basketball teams. I was on the track team. Um, that's when I got signed to my first dance company. Um, I signed to Ballet Rocks when I was 17 as a soloist. I was break dancing and doing modern. After that, like I, my roots, like I just kind of stayed here, uh, especially because my first love is always dance. It always has been dance. And that's when I, that's my first like big job that I got. So I stayed in Boston and then I slowly climbed up to almost cussing out Taiko Waititi in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> You did like I could see like the character you're playing was. I think a lot of people can relate when your boss tells you to do something and you so know, you know that they're wrong, and you're just like, you sure you want to do this? That was me the whole time. Like, and people were. Uh, I think it was cool. Like, it's cool to have like interaction with like new fans that came from the movie, and they'd be messaging me like, "You told him, you told him it wasn't ready, and he still made you do it anyway." I was like, "I know, I was doing my job." <laughs> so I I love that though that people um I really liked playing that character because like I said I think we've all and like we've all dealt with that boss like you said who was just like how did you end up in charge exactly like do you know how things work. <laughs> at all (laughs) like if anybody who's a gamer like my character was talking about you know the skins aren't ready Mm -hmm. 
his catchphrases weren't ready. Like I said, he had half a brain. Nobody wanted to hear it. And now we have this big dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> coming out and yeah. doing this ultimate face off with Ryan Reynolds. So yeah, they, they unleashed this sort of like antagonistic character named dude. Who's this big muscly guy, like brawny, brutish, muscly guy um, who I think, it seemed like that was probably like a, a stand-in actor that they put Ryan Reynolds face on. This is a, this is we're back in spoiler territory. This was, uh, excuse me if I butcher his name. It's, it's like Aaron something, but like he, if you saw his face, you would know. So like they, he's like this big bodybuilder, like mm-hmm. actor and they had him do all the stunts and yeah, then they put Ryan Reynolds face on it. And so it made for a hilarious like body language and stuff, but it made for also an epic fight. Cause mm-hmm. I was screaming when not going to spoil this because it's too big but i was screaming when uh when dude had him like down and i'll just say that all the pop references happened Mm -hmm. and i was like losing my mind i was like i can't believe and then they had the cameo and yeah yeah it was was just the perfect movie scene and if you're a nerd you got to go see it just for this moment in the third act of the movie it is mind-blowing you're gonna love it no it's it's definitely a a movie that um like caters to the the nerd culture gamers <laughs> comic book fans um you know just tech people in general uh it's really fun um but yeah and also you mentioned the the whole like cat, his catchphrases weren't ready uh this character yes. dude because he literally just says catchphrase, catchphrase. <laughs> and i, I <laughs> I lost it at that point. And then Taika Waititi, it cuts to him and he's like, actually, when you think about it, catchphrase is a pretty badass catchphrase. Cool. And the crazy thing is it caught on online. People say that now. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a gamer, go see the movie. If you're a romantic, go see the movie. If you like action comedies, Ryan Reynolds is come on deadpool hitman's bodyguard like he is the action comedy king go see it mm-hmm. it it is so good and it's fun and it was it was very fun to make it was fun to be in a setting where all of my nerd knowledge was finally useful mm-hmm. because in real life you know you don't often get to rant about video games and comic books no you gotta find at, the right, right people for that <laughs> exactly so very very happy so are you working on any I mean, and if they're, you know, film projects, you don't have to like get into the the name or details if you're not allowed to, but are you working on any like new projects like that or any new music projects? Currently working on some acting projects. As you said, I can't get into it. Um, I always just say no spoilers. Yeah. And that's how people know when I'm doing something. So I always say no spoilers. So like, okay, she's doing something that she can't spoil. Um, as for music, I have so many songs done. Same, same, you know, thing as always is, now I'm trying to balance uh, film and music. So it's just a matter of like, you know, getting the studio time and like really getting somebody we can do the sessions and get into the mood of the, the project and everything like that. Um, the song I just dropped, Jella, it's kind of just like a, just let everybody know what direction I'm going to with this project, sonically speaking. Like I'm going more disco and fun and because I love dancing. Like, like I said, it was my first love. And I feel like my music hasn't really reflected or given people a chance to dance like that. So I'm really excited to be working on that. Great, yeah. Um, so I also wanted to ask, just because we had sort of talked about various nerd things, some fun questions to kind of close out because I'm looking at the time. But um, you know, now that you're sort of 
getting into more film roles. We had talked MCU movies earlier. If you could play any any character, uh, like dream character to play in an MCU movie and why? Storm. Storm. I cosplayed as Storm. Well, in the movie, I have the Mohawk. I still have it now, but it, like I said, it's braided. But I love Mohawk Storm. Probably my favorite iteration. Yeah. And so growing up, like reading, I read the the arc where she met T'Challa and they fell in love in their home country and everything like that. And ever since then, I was like, she's a badass. And not only is she a badass, though, she's like, I think she's an Omega level mutant. So to like play somebody with such leadership and power and so black, like would be like a dream come true, especially when I've cosplayed as her so many times, like with the full white mohawk and stuff. Like it's not even like just an aesthetic for the moment is like, I'm very comfortable in that like type of look. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would definitely, I definitely play her and I would want to do her like, right. So like they did her really well in the original, um, those Marvel X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. Without um, when Halle Berry played her. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think though, there's so much, that hasn't been uncovered with her. Like people don't even know, like her story goes so deep mm-hmm. and um, her connections and relations with like Logan. And like I said, T'Challa and everything like that, like people have no idea. Mm-hmm. And the people who do know, know. <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> so much. Um, Cause like X-Men is, is sort of just like a, like a soap opera of within the Marvel universe itself, uh, at least on the comic level. And like pretty much every mutant character knows every other mutant character and they all have yeah. independent relationships outside of the team. Yeah, but that, yeah, that whole lineup of like the nineties X-Men cartoon is like my, oh my God, yes. like my dream line. Like, you know, I grew up watching that show. It was like my favorite show as a kid that in the Spider-Man one. I have a question. Yeah. This has always bothered me. So like Spider-Man exists in the same universe as the X-Men. Like, they don't call him a mutant, but they're mutants. <laughs> they the, at <laughs> times, at times he's been classified as a mutant because he does have a genetic mutation. Uh, in the same sense that, like Franklin Richards, who's like the son of uh, Mister Fantastic and and Sue Storm from the Fantastic Four, is also an Omega level mutant, just like Storm. Like he's classified as a mutant, even though I don't think the Fantastic Four are. And I think. I always just write that off as like Marvel continuity uh, is a total mess most of the time. So at times I think on in the nineties animated cartoons um, at, there was like a crossover episode, a couple crossover episodes between Spider-Man and the X-Men. And he uh, like Peter Parker did get classified as a mutant in that. Cause that was during the registration act, that's why I was like, because first of all, that made me so mad. If anybody's read that, like he was the, like the first Civil War one. arc we're talking. Yeah, like he was the first one to do it, whatever. But that's why I was like, so is he registered like as a, because I always found it weird just like because their whole thing was discriminating against mutants. And then it's just like, so do they just pick and choose who they call a mutant and who they don't? Because that's mm-hmm. what it's always seemed like to me. Like, yeah, it, I don't know. it's strange because it's like by the logic of, uh, you know, having a genetic mutation, then wouldn't Captain America then be a mutant because they altered his his body at a genetic level? I think, you know, in, in later years, because it's comics and they can retcon whatever they want just to be conveniently fit the story. I think there's a specific, like the X gene 
as oh, right, right. And I think okay. that's sort of later years how they ended up trying to distinguish, you know, what is a mutant versus what is just like a hero who has had their, where like, so mutants have a gene like within them that activates and they, and then they get their powers where like Spider-Man and Captain America had external sources uh, like Spider-Man got, got bitten by a, a radioactive spider and Captain America took the super soldier serum. So it was like an external force. But yeah, it's... Yeah, was, thank you for clarifying. Because I was like, there's no way that everybody is over here cheering for the Avengers. And in the same friggin' breath, the X-Men are over here saving a thing. And they're like, ah, mutants yeah. save you. Get them away from you. Like, it just doesn't add up. Shit wasn't math. And yeah, so, mutants yeah. Get, get so much hate. Speaking of like veiled metaphors for racism, I believe that's what the X-Men were sort of yes so um xavier was supposed to be martin luther king yep. and um Man. magneto was uh malcolm x yeah and that's why it's a whole different discussion but that's why when people like get away about oh this this actor is playing this character like why did they make this one gay or why did they make this one black and it's just like stanley and the whole team's whole thing has always been like a commentary on civil rights and social justice <clears throat> like this is canon. This has been said. It has been acknowledged. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I guess MCU fans and comic fans, there's some crossover, but they're very, they're kind of different for mm-hmm. the most part. But at the end of the day, it's all love because we all love Marvel. Yeah. The whole world loves Marvel. <laughs> I think a lot so of let's it, just keep it love. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the comic fans, at least the vocal ones online, at least when I was like, still reading comics heavy were very much like um any any change to a character was seen as like this this you know complete you know travesty uh, um like completely undoing the character but like these characters of like spider-man the x-men fantastic four have been around since the 60s captain america has been around since the 40s like you've got through so many renditions yeah you to keep up with the times these they're you know if you want them to be believable then these are people then they got to like change and evolve and yeah and and then people also just get mad at any time there's like a new character specifically like a new female character a new character of color or like a new queer character added people are like oh this is like keep the pc stuff out of my comic books i'm just like you know we exist yeah black people (laughs) read comics too like women read comics gay people read comics (laughs) just right it's like you think that I don't know. I know. I whole thing is like the mutant genes. You think there won't ever be like a gene where it's like they're gay or black? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is this is it just not adding up for me? But okay. <laughs> but no, this was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank it's you. Nice to talk to a fellow nerd. Yeah. Thank you so much for for taking the time. And um, yeah, uh, anyone listening, go see Free Guy while it's still in theaters because you're gonna want to see those those visual effects on the big screen. On the big screen, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then go to Spotify uh, and stream Destiny Claymore's music, her EP "Pretty," her new single "Jella." And do you is it available anywhere else? I, like Apple Music, I figure. Yes, um, my music is everywhere. So Bandcamp, Spotify, oh, yeah, we, SoundCloud, we love Bandcamp. The whole should be. Yeah, yeah. Go buy it on Bandcamp. It, it, yeah, buy it on, on a Friday. Yeah, <laughs> go next Friday. Go buy it on Bandcamp, and then. Once it's downloading, streaming on Spotify. <laughs> um, Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you want to want to close with before we get wrap up and get going? Once again, I'm Destiny Claymore, actor from Free Guy, 
and singer. Check out my music, as he said. You can go to destinyclaymore.com or just look up Destiny Claymore in literally any search engine or music engine, you will find me. Thank you for having me. there you have it folks i'm recording these this intro and outro on my lunch break at work i'm enjoying a very spicy pad thai uh from a new thai place that i tried it's really good pad thai is one of my favorite dishes so as long as it is pretty solid then i'm happy anyway as always thank you to ethan thank you to austin pudding thank you to you the listeners thank you um who do i want to thank this week uh, uh, um, thank you to, um, Smokey Robinson. 
I was listening to Smokey Robinson and the Miracles today. So I'm going to give a shout out to Smokey Robinson, who's not going to hear this, but if he wants to come on the podcast. Still have not heard from Robert Plant. Uh, where are you at, Bobby? Shout out to... Shout out to uh, Jimena from, if uh, who you might remember from last week's episode, we actually got to meet in person this past weekend at a gig in Alston where Rilla Force and Hassan Barclay played um, at like a little art gallery in Lower Alston. It was super fun meeting her. We got to like dance around a little bit. It's great. Yeah, so it, it's it's always fun when you get to meet your virtual friends, especially after pandemic living people you've like connected with and talked to uh just virtually it's been amazing getting back out there and meeting some of these people that i've you know encountered on a virtual in the virtual sphere so shout out to jimena and anyone else who fits that bill uh y'all are amazing be well See you next week. Bye.